Hi, this is Jundo. Welcome to Tree Leaf. The koans, the Buddhist teachings, are alive in each moment. This week in our Sangha, we have people who have written about their own battles with cancer and other health uh, obstacles, the children they have lost in their lives, businesses that have gone bad, marriages that have gone bad, the need to see change in their life. These are where the Buddha's teachings, these are where the koans are realized in the heart of our practice, where the rubber meets the road. The Buddha's teachings are timeless, but they exist in this moment. This is a living practice. This is a vibrant practice that is constantly changing as life constantly changes. And we need to bring the Buddha's wisdom and compassion right here, right now, where we find ourselves. But there are also koans that were written hundreds of years ago, though timeless, that are said to convey the same Buddha's teachings, the same wisdom and compassion when seen as such. And they do. These old koans are the Buddha's teachings, the same Buddha's teachings that we are teaching now, that we are applying now in our lives. And it's not just old koans. New koans can be written every moment. You are writing a koan in this moment when you can see it as such. But these old stories are wonderful. We cherish them. We consider them jewels in our way. And they belong to no one. They belong to all the universe. They are all this reality. They don't belong to you. They don't belong to me. They are not the privileged property of one tradition. Recently, Dosho Port wrote to say that only people in his way, his tradition, who have studied the koans with teachers like his teachers can truly teach the koans. Soto teachers cannot because they have not, in his view, which I think is wrong, not received this same training. And I said, Dosho, that's so narrow. Dosho, that's crazy. First off, the koans run all through all our traditions because the same wisdom, the same compassion runs through all our traditions. And Dogen was a master of the koans. His writings are chock full, wall to wall koans. But the thing about Dogen, just like what I was saying just now is that Dogen brought the koans not as stagnant, frozen entities, but to life by changing them, bouncing them against the wall, turning them inside out, rewording them, re recharacterizing them. Sometimes he'd even change the people in the koans. He'd turn it all topsy-turvy in order to bring out the life, sometimes changing the message, sometimes changing the original perhaps intent of the writer in order to bring the teachings in new light, new perspectives, because they're vibrant. There is no one right way to see koans. To debate about the right way to see koans reminds me of children looking at clouds in the sky. One child looks at the cloud and he sees dinosaurs. Another child looks at the cloud and he sees a fire engine. Another child sees a puppy dog. 
and they're arguing about themselves about what is the right intention of this cloud when they're missing the meaning of the blue sky and clouds themselves. You know, I often compare this teaching, the clarity of Shikantaza, to the clear, open, boundless blue sky that manifests in the clouds of delusion, thoughts, and emotions. And when we can see the clear light that not only shines behind the clouds and between the clouds, but is the clouds themselves so that the sky of thoughts and emotions in this world of samsara and enlightenment are not divided. The sky is whole. When we can see that, all the Buddha's truths are realized. In a moment of shikantaza, when we sit with this living vibrancy of clarity, there is no doubt, there is no mystery, there is no obfuscation, there are no moral dilemmas, even amid this world of sometimes darkness, sometimes light, sometimes rainy days, sometimes sunny days, and mysteries that remain and doubts that remain, and it's all at once unbroken. And when we taste this in a moment of shikantaza, this living, breathing shikantaza, all the koans are realized and shine with new light. Who says that there is just their way to teach the koans? Who says that it is limited to one tradition? This is false. This is wrong. This is narrow. Soon in our sangha, we will be teaching from a wonderful collection of koans, much prized in our way, the Sota way, for thousands of years. We also prize other collections. The Blue Cliff record was cherished by Dogen. But the Book of Serenity is a wonderful collection of stories that have been danced by our teachers for hundreds of years. And we're going to dance them in our Sangha too. And Dosha said, you can't. You haven't received the training I received. And I said, I celebrate your path. Your path is for you. Perhaps your path is the right path for everyone in the universe. I don't know. Perhaps your path is only right for you and other people like you, Dosho. I don't know. Perhaps you're just a victim of self-delusion, convinced that your path is the right way, and it's not. I don't know. But I know the clarity, the beauty of this path, and the fact that these koans open up for us, and we will, in our sangha, dance them too. It might not be your way of seeing clouds. It might not be your way of seeing dinosaurs instead of fire engines in the clouds. I don't know. But we see through and beyond to the Buddha's wisdom and compassion that is prevalent for all of us in these clouds. He said to me, you know, how can you know that you're teaching the way the ancestors intended? I know, Dosho. I know. And anyone sitting the way we sit and practicing the way we sit and encountering these koans the way we encounter it, they know too. There is no doubt. Reminds me a bit of the Freudians, you know. I once had a conversation with an old, oh, we're having an earthquake. Maybe something I said. 
sometimes you know you think the earthquakes are bad because you're offending the Buddha. But if you read the old sutras, when the Buddha was joyous, the earth would shake. Maybe I'm saying something right. Anyway, I once had a conversation with an old Freudian who uh, really orthodox. And you know, Freud's system of seeing dreams and the mind was kind of a made up system. It was a beautiful attempt to the psychotherapy, uh, psychoanalysis to see how the human mind works. But these orthodox Freudians would say, this is what the dream means. And then they would fight with the other orthodox, uh, but different uh, psychoanalysts who would say, no, this is what dreams mean. And all of them were kind of, shall we say, had vibrant imaginations about what these dreams mean. Sometimes a cigar really did mean a penis, and sometimes a cigar was just a cigar. Well, it's the same with the koans. Not to say that the koans are filled with phallic symbols. That's a subject for another day. What my point is that the koans can be seen in ways that constantly change. The way you see a koan on Tuesday may not be the way the same person, because he's not the same person, would see the koan on another day when life circumstances have changed. They're vibrant. The Buddhist teachings constantly mold to our circumstances. They're alive. I'm not saying that there are not themes in the koans. There are. You know, there is a, a good Buddhist logic where you can say that this koan was basically on this theme, for example, the absolute and the relative, or these koans were on precepts, they did have themes to them. And you can say that some of the koans have a logic to them, though it's a Buddhist logic, which is, you know, that kind of logic beyond our usual way of seeing the world that is the Buddha's truths, emptiness, seeing no self, seeing beyond life and death, even as we are in this world of life and death. But the koans do have a logic to them. They can be presented, they can be discussed, as long as we don't get caught in our, the wheels of our mind, just lost in being armchair philosophers. We must see into the heart of what these koans are about. But there's no one way to, to see it. You don't have to go into a master and yell, Moo! That's beautiful. If that's good for you, moo away. And if your way of presenting the koans, as Dogen said, is raising a whisk or a fist or uh, a shout, lovely, there are times to shout and raise a fist, but there are times to just see what the koans were about. And sometimes the meanings of the koans are lost too. And that's lovely. That's lovely. They're like old jokes, old songs. I sometimes say that if someone a thousand years ago, if I were to make a koan right now that contained the words uh, Casey at the bat and bling bling and get your freak on and all these colloquial expressions and a thousand years from now they were translated and a person in let's say Lithuania a thousand years from now, was trying to figure out what bling bling was and thought it was some mystical saying. 
because the expression was lost. Well, these koans are often like that too. A lot of the original poetic references, a lot of the original stories, a lot of the slang they were filled with, they were written often in a very colloquial way, filled with slang. A lot of, of it is lost and untraceable and beyond the original intent of the author. And it's like, you know, it, it, and sometimes the meaning for that reason, the original meaning, is gone. And you know, it's okay too. Because it's like, you know, a T.S. Eliot poem. It's like a song that just gives a feeling. You can take the koans in that way too, even if the original intent of the authors have been lost. And don't think there weren't original intents behind them. Anyone who says otherwise lacks a knowledge of the history of the way in which they were written. They were written with specific teachings in mind, sometimes now forgotten. But anyway, we're getting off the topic. To argue about the right way and the wrong way to write a koan or to teach a koan dosho is like a jazz musician arguing with a classical music musician, arguing with a country musician about the right way to play the piano. You can play a piano with Brahms, you can play it with Thelonious Monk, or you can play it in a honky-tonk, and it's all good music, my friend. This is how we hear the koans. Koans are not limited to one tradition. There are infinite ways to teach the koans, just as life is infinite ways the koans manifest. Shall we sit with that?